This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And I hope that you feel a little bit of community and connection and you get some good advice and tips from the people who come on the show. Today is episode 56, and my guest is Shelby Gill. She is my sister and she teaches survival swim. She is a PDS swim instructor. So we're going to go over what she does with kids and teaching them how to float and survive in the water and some reasons why you might want to consider doing this for your own kids, getting them signed up. Um, I also share a couple of stories that have happened in my own life with my kids in the pool. So I hope that this episode arms you with some knowledge about water safety and makes you feel a little bit better about keeping your kids safe in the water and taking steps to do that. Um, Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Beam. If you are someone who works out on a regular basis, I would highly recommend checking out their hydration line. Their Elevate Hydration Powders give your body the electrolytes they crave. And when you're hydrated, your body functions the way it was designed to function. They have an Elevate Energy Mix. They have an Elevate Recovery Mix, and they also have an Elevate Balance Mix. You can just get the variety pack. My favorite in the variety pack is definitely the Recovery. It is an electrolyte powder formulated with non-GMO collagen peptides and BCAA for supportive joint and muscle health. So refreshing, has a fresh lemon taste, and I actually need to go have some right now because I did an interval workout this morning. They also have a Dream Blend, which is a nightly drink. It's like a healthy take on hot chocolate and it has sleep enhancing vitamins and minerals in it. I just warm up some water and a little bit of milk and have that every single night before bed and it helps me sleep. And I hope it can do the same for you. There's nothing better than a good night's sleep. You all can go to beamorganics.com and use the code Lindsay15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off your order. All right, friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a quick rating interview on Apple iTunes or wherever you're listening so that potential new listeners can check us out. That's a good way for them to find us. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Shelby. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have a very special guest. One, she's my sister, and two, she named this podcast. So it's kind of a big deal. Welcome to the show, Shelby. Thank you. So I'm really excited to have a sister on the show. When I first wanted to start podcasting five plus years ago, my sister Shelby was, were you like episode three on my running podcast and you're not a runner? Have something like that. Erica was too. Yeah, but you've run a half marathon, so you you can just like say you're a runner, right? Uh, yeah, it was awful, but sure. <laughs> um, so Shelby's my younger sister. Shelby has three kids. Giovanna's eleven. Gunner is eight, almost nine, almost eight, almost eight, almost eight, and Letty is five. Yep. 
Okay, so Shelby, tell us how you named this podcast. Why is everyone yelling? And why are you always the person to name my podcasts? Um, I don't know. Well, you you asked me for help for both of them. Um, but kind of for this one, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. So I was trying to think of something that, um, you know, was unique. And what came to my mind was, you know, something that all parents can relate with and like something that we've all probably said at one point with our kids. So. Well, it's funny because some people think that the why is everyone yelling is like all about the kids. But I'm like, no, it's also about me because I yell a lot. You're not a yeller. I'm a yeller. Oh, yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So when I say why is everyone yelling, it's like everyone, like not just my kids, like the entire house. Why is everyone yelling? Right, right. So, okay, today's topic, which this topic has been suggested by a couple people and I don't know why we're just now doing it but my sister Shelby here teaches rescue swim is that what you call it um it I would say more like survival swim um my program's called pedia swim okay and so she's been doing this for a year now almost three years (laughs) almost three years yeah I started in Florida so how has it been three years I know it's weird but it has okay so here's my first question First of all, why did you decide you wanted to pursue this? Um, well, when we were living in Florida the first time, I wanted to get my oldest. She was three swimming lessons. And I had seen stuff about um, the survival type lessons online. So I found someone. She did the lesson. She loved it. You know, she got used to it. She, now she loves to swim. She always has since she was three. And I thought this is really cool at the time. Um, I wasn't working, but I was a paramedic. Um, I became a paramedic when I was 21. So um, it's kind of uh, intertwined with that. I mean, thankfully, I never had to take care of any type of drowning um, situation, but it just kind of related that to me. And as a mom, I just thought it was really important. Does she, was Giovanna your oldest when she did the rescue swim? Was she scared to swim, like scared to like get in the water before she did it? No, she wasn't scared, but, you know, she wasn't competent. So I wanted, you know, when we were, you're in Florida, there's water everywhere. So I wanted to give her that safety net, you know, in case anything happened. And so she, she didn't love it at first, but as the few weeks of lessons progressed, she started to love it and she has loved swimming ever since. Well, yeah. And the other thing about Florida is like, don't people just like leave their pools open all the time? No, you have to have a either a fence or you have to have a um, one of those screens. And in those screens in Florida, the door latch is like up high so a kid can't reach them. So I think for legal purposes, you either have to have a gate or a screen or a pool cover. But, um, you know, gates and things like that. That's kids not foolproof. They can get if they want to get somewhere, they can get there. Or, you know, a gate could be left open, just things like that. So, and there's canals and everything around Florida. So, yeah, you, there's a new uh, build in our neighborhood. There's tons of new builds going up all the time. And um, like they're knocking down old houses and putting new fancy ones in. And one of them has a brand new pool and it does have a fence around it, but it's like not you know, any of my kids could climb over this fence. The house is not like close to my house. Like nobody would walk over there. But um, I keep every time I drive by, I'm thinking if I lived right next door to that person, I'd be knocking on their door every day and being like, when's the cover happening? When's the cover coming? Because I just like, 
Uh, a pool that is uncovered just freaks me out. Right. And I think um, like the legal uh, things about that are, is different for every state, but you really just have to have, I think in Indiana, one of those, but I, it's really important, I think, to have different layers of protection, like the cover, the fence, the door chime, um, all those things, because every single layer is going to protect your child more because they're less likely to get through every single layer than if you just have one one thing, which is a pool cover or a fence. You know, kids will get where they want to get. So the more layers of protection that you have on your pool is better, much better. Yeah, so our parents have a pool and, you know, we've walked through this with all of our kids not knowing how to swim and now two of my four know how to swim. We're working on floating with my younger two. Russell, my third, he's like, he's going to have swimming down really well by next summer, like actually swimming and floating. But, um, man, we have like, like them having a pool is, has been so much fun for our families. Like the kids play so much, but we are so careful. Like the, the cover does not come up. And then when the cover's closed, we actually go downstairs and turn off the breaker box as well. So that like, if someone were to like flip the switch, even though the kids know they're not supposed to do it, like to open the pool cover, we just like no way know how that breaker box is getting turned off because I'm just... It freaks me out. It does. And there's so many kids, especially when we're all at um, mom and dad's, that it's just impossible to have eyes on everybody at once. So I definitely am glad we started doing that. And um, like I said, as many layers of protection from pools, if you have a pool especially, is the best thing. Okay. So tell us what PDS Swim is. Like, what is your method and what do you do? So for PDSWIM, we teach a swim, float, swim method that teaches your child to swim when they need a break or they need a breath, flip to their back, float, catch their breath, rest, and flip back over to swim. So the younger kids aren't going to be able to do the swim as much. Um, I start at age six months, so we work on swimming a little bit with them and floating. But basically, it's just the float is so important if a kid falls in and can't get out, they can do that float and they can stay in that float until a parent realizes, oh no, I can't find my child and you can get to them. Yeah. And I always ask you this question, which I just find like totally mind blowing, but watching my six and four year old try to learn how to float, I almost feel like the younger ones could float longer, but I say, how long should they be able to float? And you're like, forever, really? Yeah, I mean, the longer I focus on when, with my lessons is having them float as long as as long until I pick them up. So I do a lot of swimming float. I'll make them flip back over and swim and float. Um, you know, if the off chance, if they can't get to the ladder or they don't know where the ladder is, you want that child to be able to be in that su sustainable position for as long as they need to. Um, and then also teaching them the correct swim form, yes. which is which is horizontally, the drowning position is vertical. And that's taught by a lot of flotation devices, because that's how it holds up kids. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to stay on floating for a little bit longer. But I want to talk about the swim part too. Um, 
the floating, how do you get a six month old or like a nine month old to even, I know that like they're going to cry most of them, but like how do you even get them to like know what to do? It takes uh, work. It takes time. So the structure of these lessons, there are four to six weeks and they are Monday through Friday every single day just for 10 minutes. So it's a short but frequent sequence and kids are going to learn much better that way. And especially some of them cry. So you don't want to have a 30 minute lesson yeah. and have a child crying for 30 minutes. So you do it for 10 minutes. Um, and then it's just like a slow progression. Um, you just kind of show them what works and what doesn't work and they figure it out. They're smart. <laughs> it's so crazy. I sat on my parents back patio this past summer and watched her like kid after kid after kid, babies, toddlers, six-year-olds float. What's the oldest kid that you work with, have worked with? Um, probably nine. It's, yeah. I mean, usually by nine kids are a little bit more comfortable, but if parents want the, their child to have the correct swim form and that float, which is important. I mean, even older kids could get stuck in a position like at the lake, for instance, or something where they can't get to anything. Um, so floating for older kids is, is important as well. Yeah. I've been talking to my boys about that too, because our oldest is nine and he, I think he's a really good swimmer. I mean, he doesn't know, like he's not super great at like doing all the forms, like if he were on a swim team or anything, but like he's strong in the water. But one thing we've been doing lessons at the British swim school, which I'm not like over the moon about, but whatever. Um, the thing that they say is like, if you're, if you're like struggling, like you can't use your voice really if you're like you said in that vertical position but if you can get on your back and float you can yell for help like help I'm in the water I need help but if you're like struggling vertically you don't have that um, opportunity to yell for help yeah I mean drowning is generally silent you're right um and so being able to float can give them that opportunity to rest and to catch their breath and to say I need help and hopefully someone will hear them. But yeah, I mean, the float, the float's really great. It really is. Yeah. So, um, then our six-year-old does, we're perfecting the float. Now here's, I talked to you about this cause I called you one day and I was like, I don't know. One of these instructors is telling him to do one thing. One of them telling him to do the other thing. Um, but he's really long and thin and he is really struggling to float more so than our four and a half year old who is a little like he's shorter and he's just a little more solid. He's getting the floating a lot better. And one of the instructors was telling my longer leaner one to bend his knees. And the other lady told him not to, which a frustrated me. Cause I'm like, get your, get your instructors on the same page with my kid. But, um, tell everybody what you told me about that particular circumstance. Well, it does seem with older kids, um, they lean out. It, it does seem like it can be harder for them to float. But that's, see, that's the problem. With a program like me, I'm going to be your instructor. So Every you're time. not one telling you different things. So that can be, um, if, you, if you have a different instructor each time with your lessons, that can cause problems. Um, you, but basically, you just have to troubleshoot. I think I told you to have him do kind of starfish legs. Yeah. Um, I find that to be helpful for some some of my bigger kids, but you know what? There's so many different things that work for so many different kids. Um, sometimes you just have to try different stuff and, and figure out what works for each child. But yeah, that's frustrating having, um, 
having different instructors, I definitely recommend to people to find a survival program yeah. that is like mine. Um, if there's one in your area, there, there may not be one in every area, you know, there's very few here in Indiana. Um, but you want to find that structure where you have the same instructor and you're doing the five days a week. I know that's not possible for everyone. There's working parents and it just feels impossible. But honestly, if you can make that fit into your schedule for just those four to six weeks, it is completely worth it. Yeah. I mean, one of our mutual friends, actually my best friend from fifth grade, um, Nikki Young, She her, she's a teacher. And so she just did it over the summer. But you got to get signed up early, especially in the summer in like colder weather states that are, like winter states because you book up so quick. Yeah, I was completely swamped this summer. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get to everyone. Um I think that's the problem in the Midwest. You know, it's a short season. Uh, we did put a pool, an above ground pool in our basement so I could expand my season. I'm still teaching right now and it's October. Um, but yeah, those summer months when the bigger kids are out of school and, you know, the teacher, I have taught a lot of teachers, kids, um, it's very busy during that time. And so you definitely want to start looking for someone even now um, for next year, at least contact them and see how they work their wait list and, their signups um, because I know it gets super busy. I have another friend that teaches in Indiana and she is very busy as well. So um, I think there's more instructors down South in Florida and Texas just because they have that long swim season basically all year. So, okay. So um, someone's kid takes a survival class and the parent wants to practice like making sure they're staying on top of the floating. What, what should the parent do? So I try to get every single parent in the pool during lessons um, at least once so I can teach them what I'm doing. Once their kid, I do it towards the end, once their kid is swimming and floating so I can teach them how I'm practicing with their kid and so they can do it correctly. So they don't get in the pool with their child and they're doing something completely different and it confuses them. So I get them in with me. I show them how to do it. I explain what we're doing and why we're doing it. And usually that helps and then they can practice with their kids um you know during the swim season and I also offer maintenance which is just once a week which I highly recommend especially if you aren't going to be swimming very much because if you don't swim for six months and your kid your child is two years old they're going to be a completely different kid the following mm -hmm. summer so you're going to either need maintenance weekly maintenance or just a, a shorter refresher when swim season comes. Yeah, because what I imagine I would do if I did it this way, because I've done things differently and like throwing that out there, whatever you do, it like, you know, we're just sharing this is a way to keep your kids safe in the pool. Um, is I'm thinking you take the class, you do some maintenance, but then you can enroll your kid in like just like a once a week swimming lesson where they're actually learning like strokes and stuff. Um, but then you have that like survival need taken care of first. Yeah. I mean, the older kids can move on to strokes. The littler kids kind of stay yeah. uh, at where we're at. But yeah, I, I just do once a week maintenance of swimming and floating. I, there's so many kids that need just that basic survival that I don't teach strokes. I know they can get strokes somewhere else and right. I, in town right now, I'm the only person that I know of teaching this type of swim lesson. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, in Indiana, 
it's hard to swim, especially where I live in Bloomington. There's the only place to swim inside really is the Y. So if you're not a Y member, there's nowhere to practice all winter. So it, you know, unless you do maintenance, you may just need that refresher. And typically the refreshers last two weeks. So you're not doing the whole program again. You're just getting your kid, their body has changed. So they're just getting back on track. They remember but it's just a little extra practice so they can get it back 100%. Okay, let's talk about the horizontal swimming because this was a game changer when you taught this to Lewis, my second. I mean, he hadn't even done the survival swim, but we got him like in a position. And just so everyone knows, the reason I didn't do survival swim with Shelby is that I didn't live in the same town as her (laughs) or else I would have 100%. But you know, that like kick off my knees and like swim horizontally into into the stairs. Like that was such a game changer for me feeling like he was safer in the water. Can you talk about like the importance of learning how to do that? Yeah. So that swimming position is super important for them to learn. Um, a lot of kids go in and they're completely vertical. Um, a lot of times that's due to flotation, such as a puddle jumper. And that's just the drowning position that has them doggy paddling with their hands and they're, le- they're bicycling with their legs. Mm-hmm. And that's sustainable. It takes up so much energy. And that is typically where drowning occurs. So um, if even if you do the swim lessons and then you stick your kid back in the um, puddle jumper, it's going to kind of reverse what they've learned. So um, I don't recommend any flotation ever uh, before or after swim lessons because it gives them a false sense of security. It gives your teaches your child that swimming is fun, but they are not a competent swimmer. So they either a think they can swim or b go get in the water and forget they don't have their puddle jumper on. And that's where accidents occur. So teaching them that horizontal swimming, kicking, um, they can swim if they need that break, they float. So it's just super important to get them in the right swim position so they can get that float or they can just swim out because that vertical bicycle is just not sustainable for any anyone, even an adult. I mean, that's treading water is hard and that's basically they're treading, they're trying to tread and they can't. So, yeah, I have two follow ups to that one. Um, and I'm, I'm over I'm past it now, but at the time and like for a year later, I was super emotional about it. Because I just felt like I messed up. And that was, we did have Lewis in a flotation device and he he had fun with it, whatever. Um, and I had two other little kids. I had a baby and I had a two-year-old. And I was so concerned with Russell, my two-year-old. And there was a bunch of adults outside And Lewis ran and jumped in the pool with the big boys thinking he had his flotation device on. My mom was standing right there and just like jumped in and grabbed him. But like I am telling you like that was like one of the hardest things I've ever um, like experienced as a parent because I just felt like I failed him and like he was fine. You know, he could like maybe kind of get himself to the side, but really he couldn't and he you know, the boys, Marshall was there and he, he knew Lewis was like struggling. And anyway, mom just jumped in with all of her clothes on. But like, what if mom wouldn't have been there? And I was like putting like Russell's, you know, swimsuit on. So, and also that's to say like accidents happen and we're human, right? They do. Drowning definitely does not discriminate. 
it can happen to anyone. It can happen to the best parents and the most attentive parents. It just happens, you know. Plenty of times you're at home and you don't hear your kid for three minutes and you go look for them or, you know, when they're older, 10 minutes. I mean, it, it can happen to anyone and it's it doesn't have anything to do with the type of parent you are. It happens to the best parents. And um, what you said was a perfect example of why I would never recommend a flotation. He he probably was aware if he was four that he couldn't swim, but he, he was probably yeah. been in all morning with the pedal jumper on and then just forgot that he didn't have it on and that actually happened to one of um my friends and his that with we were swimming with them and his little guy jumped in he forgot his pedal jumper wasn't on luckily his dad turned around and saw him struggling and got him but that is the perfect example of why I would never put your child even from the very beginning in flotation it just you need to teach them the um competence over confident you don't want them to be confident in the water and not be able to swim yeah but here's my caveat <laughs> our other sister erica and you can disagree with me that's fine um her daughter is like freaking crazy like she is wild 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 and they put one on her and i almost like and if that if that little girl doesn't know how to float, I'm putting a puddle jumper on her because she is like she's here and gone in like two seconds more than any. And I have crazy wild kids like my kids are very active and like but like she is sneaky and that would freak me out. That's the that is a child who is a great candidate for. Yes. Pedal. I mean, every child is. But if you're and she and Abby has done those lessons now. So, yeah, she um, has. So that's great. But if you have a, if you have a kid and you feel that nervous about that, um, I would definitely do it. I mean, it's like I said, it's the last layer of protection that you can give your kid and it's not foolproof these lessons. But um, yeah, if you have a child that sneaks away and is wild and crazy, you definitely want to look into to lessons and find someone around you. And there there's all different types of programs. Um what I would look for if you were looking for a survival program is, like I said earlier, the one that's structured the five days a week for a short period of time, and they're teaching that swim, float, swim method. Hey, friends, I want to tell you, I am heading down to Jacksonville, Florida for the Donna Marathon weekend. It is the weekend of February 6th down in Jacksonville, Florida. There's a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon relay races and this all benefits the Donna Foundation which helps people walking through a breast cancer diagnosis helps them financially as well as emotionally and the Donna Foundation also supports groundbreaking research so this is a great race to run it's fun but it also supports a good cause you can go to breastcancermarathon.com and use the code lindsay10 and that'll save you 10% off your registration for any of the races. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-0. Um, I also want to let you know if you're looking for a training plan and you want to do the race, I have half marathon training plans and marathon training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. You can check those out there. And actually, those are $10 off right now for the half marathon plans. You can use the code lindsay10 for that as well. And again, I will be in Jacksonville that weekend. So we're going to have a big meetup and I would love to get to know any of the listeners on the show while we're down in Jacksonville. Uh, all right. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Shelby. Now, 
here's another thing. <laughs> here's another sh- stark difference between Shelby and I. She's like anti cried out for her kids. Like she's never let her kids cry it out at bedtime or nighttime or anything like that. And I've like hardcore done that, especially in the middle of the night when my kids were younger. Um, so a one thing, let's just say like you can be two parents and completely disagree on ways to handle certain things and still like get along and have conversations about it and, and be fine. Right. Yeah, of course. Okay. And then two, Shelby's like super, I'm not into crying it out, but some of these kids are going to really cry. So I'm curious to you, Shelby, how you handle that being the kind of person that like doesn't do well with hearing a child cry. Well, first of all, they're not my, (laughs) I treat every one of my students how I would want someone to treat my child and there's going to be crying. Um, and that's totally fine and normal, but, um, you just have to think of what you're doing and if they have to cry for 10 minutes for five weeks, um, but you're giving them this skill that could save their life. It is just completely worth it. Um, I don't love it when they cry and I do my best to play games with them while we're in the middle of lessons. And I, I'm always giving encouraging words Um, even to the babies, I'll sing them songs and stuff, but, um, it's just something that you just, it's hard for a lot of parents. And I tell, I tell parents, you don't have to watch or you can step out. That's totally fine. Or you can watch. I will never tell a parent that they cannot watch the swim lesson, of course, but it's just one of those things like, yeah, it's going to be hard for certain parents to listen to their child, but I just think this is going to be a lot easier to hear than, if something happened to withstand then if something happened to your to your child in a drowning accident yeah and even if like they survive a drowning accident like the scars from from all of that will be so hard yeah I mean it's just 800 kids in the U.S. die of swimming and I just think that's 1600 parents that are living with this mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. A, a year so it's just you have to put it in perspective um I did not teach my own kids our first instructor in Florida taught Giovanna and then the lady who I trained with taught Letty and Gunner. So I don't, I had no desire to teach my own kids. Um, I, that'd be really hard too. Cause it's like, well, mom, they're yeah. like not going to listen like they would to another instructor. Exactly. They act different for a, your parent and not to say I couldn't teach them, but you know, Letty was younger when she learned and she cried the whole time and I was there. I was watching. <laughs> Did you, you know, hate it? It was sad. She didn't like, it, but you know, it was what it was. I I wanted her to have the safety net, you know, her last layer of protection. I just felt it was super important and I'm glad we did it and it's super worth it. You know, no matter what happened, no matter if they cry the whole time, you know, it, usually kids don't cry the whole time. The first week is rough. Um, if I'm just being honest about it, but most kids after about a week, they start to realize oh, I know how to do this. And they become very proud of themselves. And yes. a lot of them end up loving it. And even if they cry with me when they go swim with their parent, they love it. And it ends up just being, well, I don't want to do the swim class, but I love swimming. So It's exhausting work too. When I sat on the porch and watched you, I was like, I'm exhausted for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, I, you know, I have a high respect for teachers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
they they deal with a lot and it's just it's definitely kids are so different so you just have to figure out what works for each kid and um, but it's very rewarding to see where we you know where you start and then where you end and it feels really good to know that these kids have this safety skill for themselves and for their families okay and so when you end the lesson tell everybody what you do like when when they're they're done like when they graduate so uh, most children who drowned were not supposed to be in the water and were seen only five minutes before being found in the water. So that what that means is they're going to have clothes on. So we do fully clothes checkouts, summer clothes and winter clothes. We put them in and do a, like a couple checkoffs in their clothes. And uh, kids that aren't potty trained, they're in a regular diaper. Mm. Those fill up water. They get very heavy. So, yeah, we do a fully clothed checkout because, as I said, most – you know, most of the time the drowning has happened, it's you're not standing right there swimming with them. Um, they're they sneak out or whatever. So a lot of times kids have clothes on. So that makes a big difference in their skills because that's a lot of weight depending on what they're wearing. So we do that fully closed checkout at the end. It's so crazy to see like a nine month old floating in their clothes. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's cool. Um it's just, and it makes you feel good though, too, just knowing that they, they can do that. Right. Cause even if it buys you one minute, like sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Sometimes that is all you need. I mean, and a lot, yeah, a lot of times, like, like I said, five minutes that you saw them five minutes ago in that five minutes, that's all it takes. Um, the other follow-up story I had, I forgot, I remembered I didn't mention this, um, with the doggy paddling and the floating with Lewis is, um, he like jumps off the high dive now and like, you know, gets to the side of the pool, but he's like not a super strong swimmer and he'll, he'll sometimes doggy paddle, which makes it look like he's drowning, like really does. And so every time I remind him, I'm like, get your head under the water and like swim that way. He gets to the side so much faster. So it's like, I'm sure it freaks the lifeguard out too when he's doggy paddling. Like, is, does this kid need help? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The Getting them in that correct position is super important. Yeah. They go faster. Um, it's just more efficient. Not to mention the other kids in line at the diving board are probably like, come on, kid, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So PDS Swim is what you do. There's mm-hmm. ISR. Are those the only two that you know of, like the specific like rescue type swim programs? There are so many. I think ISR is the most known one. Yeah, but it's most popular. My, so you can actually, um, you can go on the PDS Swim website and look for instructors in your area or just go to Google um, and look for survival swimming. Survival and swimming. I always say rescue, but yeah, survival swimming. Either and... I, what, like I said, what's important, I feel, is that structure of the everyday. It teaches them, you know, if you only go two times a week, it's going to take you months when it's only going to take you mostly at most a month and a half. And then um, just to make sure they're focusing on that swim, float, swim. Um, I wish there was a PDS swim teacher everywhere, but of course there's not. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would look for. And if you're looking for someone for spring or summer, start looking now because in certain areas, like yeah, for me, I get booked up very early and I know a lot of other people do as well. Yeah. And I briefly mentioned earlier that we do British swim school here, um, partly because of the like everyday thing that Shelby was mentioning, like feels very overwhelming to me. Um, but 
Um, their program does focus on floating first. So like that's their, their motto is like survival first, which is floating. Um, I will say once a week doesn't feel like enough. I think like at least like two to three times a week probably would, would feel a lot better. And then my other problem with the British swim school and other swim programs, like, (laughs) and especially as someone on their like fourth kid, right? Like I don't need to get in the water with my two-year-old and like play games with (laughs) a swim instructor and my two-year-old. Like, I don't care to do that. I'm not interested in that. I just want my two-year-old to be safe. So um, that's what, and I get it. Like if it's your first kid or even second kid, maybe like you want to do those or maybe your third or fourth, whatever. Um, maybe you want to do those, like get in the water lessons and just play games with your kids. But like, I have no interest in that. I have, I just, I don't want to spend time doing that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like that's more of like things that people do in mommy and me class, Yeah, um, which I don't necessarily recommend. Um, the four to six weeks, I will say, goes by so fast. So it sounds like a long time. Um, but if you could, if not necessarily you, but if a person could just commit, rearrange their schedule just for that short amount of time, that's it. And then you'll be done. And then if you would like, I which I highly recommend, is to do maintenance if you cannot practice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that sounds daunting. It's just I feel the best structure for them to learn. It's consistent. It's short. Um, and like you said, one day a week is not, is not enough. If you had, it doesn't you feel like it. No. With British one school, you would be been done along. Right. Long time. Exactly. Yeah. We'd have just been done with it. So it's, it is in my opinion worth it. I know it can't work for everyone. If it's, if you're a single parent or you're two working parents that, that makes it hard. But if, but if grandma's around, you know, Use use people to your advantage for, you know, that kind of stuff to to get them to those swim lessons. And and don't don't tell us people that don't have grandma around that you have that availability because because we get really jealous. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. I have mom all to myself now. <laughs> but even when I lived in Indiana, our mom, they um, we were like an hour. It's like hour 20, really, when it's all said and done. Um, from our house. So though we got to see my parents quite a bit, it's not like they lived down the street and my mom could just pop over for 30 minutes or, you know, or like run and grab the kids from school or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a really, man, sometimes I'm really sad we moved for that reason. Uh, well, as you know, she lives like a mile away from me. So I see them all the time and, and they help mommy and dad help me mostly mom with like driving the kids to school and stuff. So no, I know I've thought about it a lot since we moved, which we didn't have that everyday experience like you do with mom and dad anyway in Indy. Um, but mom would like come up for a couple hours, you know, during the day or whatever. But I was thinking about people, which I've met tons of people here in our neighborhood. Who's like parents live in the neighborhood or they live right up the street. And I'm like, what a different grandma experience that is, you know, like, and well, you know, I have, some grandparents that bring their grandchild to swimming lessons every single time or almost every single time. And that's like a big commitment. I'm like, you're a great grandma. <laughs> a lot of work. Well, and it's just, I mean, I'm harping on it. Cause I'm like, I am so glad we moved to North Carolina. I'm like really enjoying being here, but um, yeah, it's just a different experience when you're not next to your family. 
But yeah, I mean, it's not like our mom was like babysitting. Like she's not one that like babysits all the time, but she's just available is a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and she's more, she likes to do help more now that the kids are older. She doesn't so. do babies. Yeah. All right, Shelby. Well, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? I am working on, I am a registered nurse and I don't have my bachelor's degree yet. So I'm working on that. I think that's the most important thing right now that I'm, I'm looking for a school to get in for that. And that's really it. I mean, I don't even know if I'll use it because I'm doing, I'm enjoying teaching swim. So, so why do you want to get it if you won't use it? A lot of hospitals require it if I ever wanted to work in, in a hospital. So I just want to get it that way. If I decide to go back to a hospital job, I'll be ready to go. Okay. That's professionally. What about personally? Well, uh, I would like to redo my kitchen. (laughs) Oh no, that's good. That's fun. We're going to try to do that. We did our fireplace and we're going to try to work on the kitchen as soon as um, Seth gets back in December. So that's our big project. Okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I have not read a book in a long time. I'm sad to admit because I like to read. Yeah, I know. You were like a, you used to read all the time. Well, it doesn't even have to be a recent one. Just give us a book recommendation. Uh, The best book I've ever read because it is nonfiction and I literally can't believe it is Unbroken by, what is that, Louis? Well, I think it's Ellen Hildebrand, but it's about Louis, Louis, uh, I can't remember. Zapparini. Yeah, Louis Zamperini. That is the best book I, one of the best books I've ever read. I ha- It's crazy because it's, yeah, it's the ghostwriter lady wrote it, but it's based on his true story life and it is literally incredible and ever, you should read it if you like to read books. Um, the other books I, I like and the movies, and this is uh, really cheesy, but I loved the Twilight books when they came out and I like to watch the movies. Okay, I remembered that about you, and recently on All Have Another, someone recommended the series called Throne of Glass. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, it's like maybe young adult, maybe not, but it's like in that genre, like maybe Twilight meets Game of Thrones type stuff, so I feel like you would be into that. Um, I'll look into it. I think part of it is I like to have like a... I start reading a book on my Kindle and then I forget about it. I need to just have the real book. Like the Kindle is so convenient, but I just forget about the book. And because I started reading like um, Little Fires Everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've started, like all these little books that I have been ha- been recommended to me. And I just, I just stop, I forget. And I'm busy, you know, I have three kids and, you know, that makes it difficult sometimes. But And your um, husband's overseas. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the part that you failed to to mention. He's he's a contractor overseas. Yeah, so he's not here very much. So I'm kind of trying to do everything, which is uh, extremely overwhelming. Maybe reading would be a good thing. But uh, but now all my kids are in school, so I am home free. Do you have a kid's book you recommend too, like a book that Giovanna or Gunner or any of your kids are into? Ooh, um, so. Giovanna really liked this series called I Survived and it's about it's different events that have happened like there's one on 9-11 there like that's the only one I can think of right now but um or I survived uh, 
a plane crash or something. I don't know. They're four kids, but they're, um, she really liked that series. So I am reading one of them with Gunner right now. We're taking turns reading. So I know that she, she really liked that series. Do you read it with her? No, she read it by herself. Gunner, I'm reading with him because he hates it. So yeah, yeah. we got together. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What is the best, most recent podcast you've listened to? So I love this podcast. I started following their Facebook page and then they posted the, oh, they have a podcast and it is a girl from here and a girl in Australia and it's called True Crime Society. And of course there's a million true crime podcasts, but I just really like, I really liked their Facebook page. Um, This is going to sound really weird and morbid, but they would post about things that happen. Mm -hmm. And then in their, in their blog, they would put a link to the people the real life people's Facebook page. So you could click on it and like, look, it, I, that sounds so strange and weird, but <laughs> you know, I would, I, sometimes I look up people anyway. So they, they just put that info, information right there for you. But anyways, I really like their podcast. Um, it's actually pretty cool because you know, they're on opposite time, time zones. So like one of them runs the stuff in their daytime and the other one runs. Oh, cool. Their, um, I know that's, kind of morbid but um i really enjoy their podcast and their facebook page and i don't know i feel like i'm running out of like true crime stuff to listen to so that one is my favorite i mean isn't that weird that's just like our human nature like when someone dies that we don't really know like i want to go find them on social media and see i always want to see what like what was their last post yeah it's like you just you try to okay i want to get i want to get to know this person or whatever i mean it's not it, it's not for any like malicious purpose. It's just you want to see. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, I do it every time. I, I do too. And I know that other people are doing it because if I'll see like a news story and I'll start typing the name and it just pops up. So that means other people have been oh, searching. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well. Um, okay. What is your last message to leave with the audience? Okay. So my final thought is that Drowning does not discriminate. It can happen to anyone. Put as many layers of protection in place as possible. Look for survival lessons in your area and take into consideration the things that I have spoken about on this podcast and be safe. Be safe. Um, If you guys have any questions about it, um, you can find Shelby has an Instagram page for her survival swim it's called Little Gills Swim, right? Yeah, it's Little and then Gills is G-I-L-S and then Swim. Yeah, and you can see like the legit, um, like legit like babies just like floating. It's crazy. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks, Shelby. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Shelby, for coming on the show. You can find Shelby on Instagram, actually. Her personal Instagram is just Shelby Gill with one L. And then the swimming Instagram is Little Gills, G-I-L-S, swim. So you can reach out to her anytime if you have questions about survival swim. I'm sure she would love to connect with you there. Um, Her lessons are in Bloomington, Indiana. So if you're in Bloomington, check her out. 
You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626 over there. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? And this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. To learn more about the shows in our network, just go to sandyboyproductions.com or find Sandy Boy on Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions. Thank you for being here. If you have a friend who has a new baby or a toddler and you think they might be interested in checking out Survival Swim or just learning a little bit more about it, even if you have friends whose kids are six or seven or eight and they should learn how to float, have them check out this episode, pass it along. That would be a huge help in potential new listeners who can enjoy this show every week. Find us. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on Why is Everyone Yelling?